Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. You know what I want to do? What do you want to do? I want to steal the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) Perfect. It sounds like a perfect thing to do today. It does. It sounds like there could be no impossible part of that plan whatsoever. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Well, we're going to talk a whole lot more about that, aren't we? I bet we are. Yes. Since our topic today is National Treasure. National Treasure with our man, Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage. Yes. Yes. But you know what? Before we get into Mm -hmm. National Treasure with Mm -hmm. Nick, how about we do take just a few minutes to talk about the 4th of July? Let's do it. I was going to ask you, what are a few of the family traditions that you all you know the general get together for a meal Mm -hmm. fireworks you watch them sometimes uh brian used to have a family reunion on the fourth of july Mm -hmm. though the saturday closest to the fourth of july and they would do a meal and it would be the reunion and they'd have fireworks at the end and it was a big deal yeah we're kind of the same i mean we don't usually have like a big shindig but we would oftentimes especially when the kids were younger Mm -hmm. do some fireworks have some ice cream, Mm. sparklers, you Mm -hmm. know, some of those things. I found an article. This is a few years old, but I think it's still relevant. Reader's Digest put out this article focused on the holiday, the 4th of July, and they shared a list of some common 4th of July traditions. Very quickly, we've already named a few. I'll just kind of read right through this. 4th of July fireworks, sparklers, barbecues, backyard games like cornhole or volleyball, 4th of July parades, wearing red, white, and blue, right? creating patriotic crafts, waving many American flags, traveling on the 4th of July weekend, and shopping, especially taking advantage of 4th of July sales. Those were like the mattress sales. Those mattress stores, they look for any reason to put the President's Day, 4th of July. It's a Tuesday. (laughs) Come get a mattress. You woke up this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Does your back hurt? Maybe you need a mattress. Exactly. Well, this article, I found it fascinating. Mm -hmm. It went on to share a few historical facts about the holiday. Mm -hmm. And in honor of the 4th of July, I Mm -hmm. thought maybe you would humor me and let me share a couple of Of these. Of course I will. I will always humor you. Well, do you happen to know of any specific little 4th of July? I know there was a document signed on this day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. History joke. Well, um, (laughs) I might have something to share with you about that. Okay. All right. Here we go. We'll get to that in just a second. But according to this article, some colonists celebrated Independence Day during the summer of 1776 mm-hmm. by putting on mock funerals no. for King George III oh. of England, symbolizing the death of the crown's rule over America. They were savage back then, weren't they? I mean, they were serious. <laughs> the first annual commemoration of Independence Day happened on July 4th, 1777 in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. John Adams, who of course was our second president and also a founding father, strongly believed 
that Independence Day should be celebrated on July 2nd. He even refused to attend the 4th of July events because he felt so strongly that they had the wrong day. It needed to be July 2nd. Here's the reason why. Virginia statesman Richard Henry Lee had proposed a motion Mm -hmm. back in the day for the colonies to declare independence from Britain. And a committee was formed to draft the official independence document, which Mm -hmm. of course became known as the Declaration of Independence. And it was actually on July 2nd that Lee's motion for independence was approved. Gotcha. And then, of course, two days later, on July 4th of 1776, that was when the Declaration of Independence was officially adopted, Uh which, in essence, made America a free nation. Although, of course, they would have to continue to fight in the Revolutionary War for years until they actually won their independence. Isn't it not really official until you sign it? Well, if that's the case, the signing actually took a while. Mm. Yeah. Well, the first signature? I don't know. I guess you got to pick a date at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four is a nice number. It is. I the like 2nd it. of July or the 4th of July. That sounds more powerful. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just reaching. Like, you just like the sound of it. I do. Well, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, of course, both founding fathers. Both? They died on the 4th of July. Yes. Yeah. The same. Within hours. Yes. Mm-hmm. 1826. And then five years later in 1831, James Monroe, who was another U.S. president, also died on July 4th. Now, Thomas Jefferson was the first president to celebrate Independence Day at the White House, which occurred in 1801. His celebration featured horse races, parades, food, and drinks, which is not so far off what we do today, actually. And my last little trivia piece from the Reader's Digest was that although the 4th of July has been celebrated every year since 1776, it did not become a federal holiday until 1870, Mm. and it did not become a paid holiday for federal employees until 1941. Oh, that's a long time. That was right before World War II. Mm-hmm. Then they probably went, oh, <laughs> we, we don't have the money to do that. Never mind. <laughs> we take it back. No taxi Never, mind. Never yeah. mind. Well, I thought it would be fun to start with a little bit of history because, of course, it's a patriotic holiday, sure. first of all, but also we are leading into a mm-hmm. movie which, of course, has incredibly strong historical it overtones. It does have a lot of history. There was right. a lot of history being thrown at us. A lot yeah. of history. Yeah. Which was fun. It I was. Thought. I think that was actually one of the selling points of the movie. It was. I loved it when it came out. And uh, Candy came over a couple nights ago and we, we I cannot say the word rewatch. I have like a little <laughs> lisp there. We rewatched it together. So that was a fun time too because we got to kind of commentate like, yes, <laughs> what are they? The two little Muppet men? <laughs> we were in our little balcony like, what are you doing, Nick? Like, come, come on. Come on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm going to ask us in a few minutes to share a few of those impressions. Sure. But, but for right now, just to kind of finish this thought. National Treasure did come out November of 2004. And I was telling Ashley this off mic. As I was doing my research, I kept hitting article after article Mm -hmm. that was written about the more recent National Treasure show. Did you actually watch that? I did not. Catherine Zeta-Jones with blonde Mm -hmm. hair was off-putting to me. So I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't, I love her with her dark hair. I just, I don't know. It may have been wonderful. I don't want to besmirch her, but I just like, nah, come on. Well, it must not have been too wonderful because it was canceled very quickly. See, if she'd had her dark hair, I bet it would have lasted. It was all about her hair. It was all about her hair. I'm sure that was it. It is. Well, it was actually a show that Disney created, and they launched it just in December of 2022. Mm -hmm. It was called National Treasure Edge of History. Mm -hmm. And as we've already said, one season, Disney's already canceled it. Justin Bartha and Harvey Keitel both did return from the original cast, but the storyline was very, very different. Mm. And I saw a lot of negative reviews. Mm. I saw a lot of people who complained that Nick Cage wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. 
And the basic thing I think I saw over and over again was this strays too far from the original premise mm-hmm. of the film. People wanted, I think, that something that history. was more, they wanted something more reminiscent yeah. of the original. Yeah, it was just a good time. Yeah. Well, a summary from a U.S. Weekly article about the movie read this way. Directed by John Turtletaub, National Treasure follows treasure hunter and cryptographer Benjamin Franklin Gates, played by Nicolas Cage, who uncovers a plot to steal the Declaration of Independence. No one at the FBI believes him when he tries to warn the agency of the impending theft. Because why would you? Well, true. Why would you believe him? (laughs) So Benjamin takes it upon himself to protect the historical document by stealing it first. And back when this movie first came out in 2004, Roger Ebert essentially called it a Disney-fied Da Vinci Code. (laughs) And... A writer of an Esquire magazine article summarized it by calling it, it is essentially Indiana Jones meets Ken Burns America. (laughs) So that's just a very little tiny intro from a couple of sources back then. Uh Now that we've laid that out there Uh for everyone, what are a few of your thoughts? Do you agree so far with some of these statements that have been made by others? I kind of do. It's just like, how would you summarize it? You would say it's history. It's fun. It's kind of swashbuckly. And Nick Cage swaggers through the movie. He does swagger through that movie. He does swagger. And he just delivers these lines with so much enthusiasm and quippiness. And it's, it's, I think it's so much fun. I don't know. You're just mm-hmm. going to have a good time. It's going to it's going to be 2 hours of history and a really good time. I totally agree with you. I think the number one descriptor I would I would pull out of my hat would be the same one you 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 came up with. It's fun. It's fun. I really enjoyed it, but I also do agree with the point that these in this case, I guess they were all fellas that these fellas made, which is, I did feel it was a little hodgepodge in uh-huh. terms of what is it trying to do? Yeah. There were times when I was watching it when I thought, oh, Shades of Da Vinci Code. Uh-huh. Oh, that kind of reminds me of Ocean Eleven. Oh, that seems a little Mission impossible Right. Well, that seemed a right. little Indiana Jones. It's a nod to every adventure story ever told, all in one movie, and a little bit of history where you go, what? I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> you, <laughs> you just, just go keep, with you it. You just keep watching. Like, literally at one point. <laughs> You you said I've stopped taking notes, I and I said me too. Yes, and there were t- there was a point when I was kind of like I'm not even going to try to figure that clue know. out. Somehow that made them yes. realize to go there. Okay, yes, that's fine. It's good for me. That's fine. It's good for me. Pass the popcorn. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. As we've said, the reviewers had a few critiques, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, this movie was a blockbuster, mm-hmm. which is why, by the way, we have chosen to talk about this today. Not yes. only is it something that we felt would be very appropriate in honor of the 4th of July, but our theme for this because, month is... Candy, what says America more than stealing the Declaration <laughs> of Independence? But that's it, Ashley. He wasn't stealing it. He, he, was, he was protecting, protecting it. it. He was saving he it. Was. They They cast him <laughs> as the hero. He was. So his stealing, his theft he was, was Robin actually... Hood. Yes. He was Robin Hood. There he you was. go. He was the protector. There's another nod to a film. Right. But okay, so Sorry. back to what we were saying. But the theme for our month is Mission Blockbuster. Yes. And so every week this month, we're going to hit on some really incredibly popular blockbusters, this being the first. And here's an intro from a USA Today article that was written just this last December. There is no better line in movie history than, (laughs) I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) And then it goes on to say, okay, perhaps I'm being a bit facetious, 
But when Nicolas Cage's character, Benjamin Franklin Gates, uttered those silly, serious words <laughs> in 2004's National Treasure, it helped turn the film into a cultural touchstone for millennials. Plus, it launched a thousand memes a decade or yes, so later. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. So that's, and that's one of the things you had mentioned to I me. I did. I'm going to, I'm going to tattle on my friend. When we were all in the throes of the first few weeks of quarantine, when everybody was like, what am I going to do? She, we had recently gone to Disney World before everything mm -hmm. shut down for my 40th birthday. We had gone, a group of friends had gone. And so she, she texts me and she's like, do you think we could break into Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think like, we could. No. So when those Not memes came idea. out, I sent her that meme and I said, this is like that time where you said, I think we could break into Disney World. Nobody's there said I, th I think they are there I think I think it is but we were all going so stir crazy but that was so funny it's like that yeah no no we no, can't nope no it's not gonna happen <laughs> I love it well let's talk about getting the film made so these two people named Oren Aviv and Charles Seegers were the ones who came up with the idea for the film and they seized upon it in fact it was announced back in 1999 that they were going to make this movie and it was supposed to be released in the year 2000. Oh. But back to our point, the original writer, Jim Kof's script was so complex that over... I think some of that lingered. <laughs> Agreed. Over time, they ended up hiring eight additional writers oh, to work on it there's between your 1999 mm -hmm. and 2003 to try to get mm -hmm. it right. They referred to it as a convoluted plot line. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, they got it to where they were happy with it. And when it finally did come out in 2004, director John Turtletop actually also gave a nice compliment to Nicolas Cage because he said in a Variety magazine interview that getting Cage was worth the wait. So oh, yeah. I guess because of the time it took to get the yeah. script right, it yeah. gave them an opportunity I to do. get him on I, board. I think he's a huge part of this film's success. 100%. Yeah. 100 I don't think I don't think it would be the movie without no, him. No, no. It's just it's like he takes it so seriously but he yet is also in on the joke. Yes. I feel like. Yes. So true. Well, an interesting side note is that while this was the first time that they had ever collaborated together, Nicolas Cage and the director, John Turtletop, had actually attended Beverly Hills High School together back oh. in the late 1970s. They had even taken a drama class together. Nice. And then, of course, they went on to work together several times mm -hmm. after this. In fact, while they were promoting The Sorcerer's Apprentice, you know, later, Nicolas Cage apparently revealed in some kind of a press interview that John, the director, had actually beat him out for the lead role in their high school production of Our Town. Ah. Which left, of course, John with the lead, but Nicholas with two lines of dialogue. And he still remembers. Yes, absolutely. So this film, of course, we've already said, John Turtletop was the director. He was also listed as one of the two main producers. Mm -hmm. Jerry Bruckheimer ah, was the other. Okay. And in fact, it is listed, if you look at the movie poster, as a Jerry Bruckheimer production. Piggybacking on what we said... Nicholas Cage shared in an interview with IGN Film Force during a press junket, I believe, why he actually chose to do this film. Ashley, do you mind reading this little blurb from Nicholas Cage? Sure. What you got to say, Nick? I think the thing that made me trepidatious was the same thing that intrigued me, which was the idea of a man going in and stealing the Declaration of Independence. The fact that he uses both the word trepidatious and intrigue in the same sentence is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay, back to Nick. I thought, this doesn't seem very plausible, and how can this <laughs> actually be pulled off? 
I'm with you, Nick. I met with John Turtletop and he said, but that's what's interesting. He's audacious. He's bold. And Jerry Bruckheimer always brings in a great group of technical advisors to do the research and try to figure out exactly how to make it within the context of the film seem as believable as possible. And I got to do it in a tuxedo. So that was interesting to me as well. I mean, what can you say? I know. I love it. There's Nick Cage, right? He has to bring in the uh, selling point of getting to wear a tuxedo. Yeah. When he says, I I don't feel like it's very plausible. (laughs) I love that. That's (laughs) actually why I pulled this quote. I was like, I think that's not impossible. It just doesn't seem plausible. Right? Hmm. Yes. Yes. I love it. Obviously, he had worked with Jerry Bruckheimer before. They had done Con Air together, The Rock, several other, you know, works. So that was a selling point for him, too. Well, Nick Cage, of course, had several other co-stars who were very important in this movie. But why don't we take a quick break before we come back and talk about them? All right. Happy Happy Independence Day. Day. Candy, you know what I love more than watching Nick Cage steal the Declaration of Independence? Ooh, what's that? Celebrating the 100th episode of Scandal Water. (laughs) That is something we're celebrating. So it's a final reminder that if you'd like to participate in our 100th episode celebration on August 8th, we are looking for comments via email or audio clip from our listeners. Whether it's your favorite episode, quote, or a feature of the show, we would love to hear why Scandal Water is your cup of tea. And of course, questions are also welcome. We want to hear from you. So send your emails or audio clips to scandalwaterpodcast at gmail.com by July 11th. That's next Tuesday. Benjamin Franklin Gates would approve. Cheers. And we're back to talk about the other cast members of National Treasure. You're a fan of... Riley. Yes. I'm a fan of Riley because when this film came out in 2004, I had recently gotten a puppy and I had named him Riley. And so this was the first time I'd really seen that name mentioned in a film. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's a Riley. It's a Riley. (laughs) And Riley, my puppy, went on to be my best friend for Mm -hmm. 15 and a half years before he passed away in Mm -hmm. 2020 from kidney issues. And I try to always include a character named Riley now in a lot of my work. So I've had a Riley in one of my films and I've had a Riley in both plays that I co-wrote. Uh-oh. Or we we say like a mention of a Riley in both plays that I co-wrote. I Just that. as a nod to my little best friend. Yeah. Well, in the film, the two co-stars who who almost have equal billing with Nicolas Cage, oh, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. They are right in the thick of it. This little trio. Diane Kruger plays Abigail Chase, who does turn into an eventual love interest for... Ben Gates and Justin Bartha played his little sidekick, the comic relief Riley Poole, who was also very tech savvy. Yeah, so that I was him. kind of his thing. Besides the fact that he was, I thought, a little sarcastic. Yes, yes the one who was I kind of like, that he "What are we doing?" I liked it that he wasn't a dumb sidekick. He mm-hmm. was just he was as, just as intelligent as. Ben Gates, and he had tech, and he had his own things that he brought to the table, but he was also sort of a realist and saying, Mm -hmm. this is not going to work. Why are we doing this, guys? We're going to go to prison. We've all realized that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And I like that Diane Kruger's character, Abigail Chase, she knew her stuff. Mm -hmm. She knew her history. She was in the thick of it, too. So I felt like they were all very important characters. I like that the fact that they named her Abigail for probably, I don't know, Abigail Adams, most likely. And Chase. Come on now. All the names. (laughs) All all the names. 
names in this production are so meaningful. Which, which again, it's almost, I like the phrase used by that one author where they said it was serious, silly. Yes. You know, so many things are just yes. kind of on that that edge between, yes. is it serious or is it kind of Do they know cute? this is funny? Yeah. 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 Well, something I did enjoy was hearing Nicolas Cage in different interviews talk about the camaraderie between mm-hmm. this group of actors. They actually really liked working oh, together. Oh, that's so good. In his, again, these press junkets, he talked about the fact that both Justin and Diane had wild senses of humor. That's, that, was, that was his phrasing, wild senses of humor. He said they were a little mischievous. Mm. And he, he basically, he didn't use the word quirky, but he said that they had that same kind of different humor that he himself had. Mm-hmm. So I could see where they gelled that way. He talked about the fact that they laughed a lot and to bond, they would often go out and karaoke together. That's fun. Can you imagine karaokeing with Nick Cage? Can What's you he going to sing? in the audience? And, like, <laughs> yes. the three of these people I bet he sings up. an Elvis song. What do you oh, think? Oh, you know it. Yeah, you know it. Suspicious Minds. Oh, suspicious. Mm. You think Nick Cage is a suspicious, or do you think he's more of a, you know, hound dog guy? You ain't nothing but. I see him a little peppy. Oh, you know what? He probably does it all. He does he's it all. Nick what Cage. are we saying? He's Nick Cage. By the way, the actors in their interviews spoke just as highly of Nick Cage. They really did like each other. That's great. Yes. Now, I'm going to give you a few fun facts as I come across them. Justin Bartha actually dated Ashley Olsen from 2007 to 2011, but ended up marrying a different lady in 2014 and having two daughters. Mm. Diane also had a famous relationship or a famous partner in a relationship. She dated Joshua Jackson for 10 years wow. and then ended up moving into a relationship with Norman Reedus. No kidding. Yes. With whom she has a daughter. I did not know they were together. Right? I was surprised by that as well. So some other cast members. Of course, there was the famous Christopher Plummer. Yes. I had mm-hmm. forgotten he was in it. My Me first note too. is Christopher Plummer! Exclamation yeah. point. Well, he played Benjamin Franklin Gates' grandfather, John Adams Gates. Stop it. No. That was his seriously, name? Seriously. That was his name. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. And, On the nose. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, that was the exposition, right? Yeah, we yeah, got yeah. to hear everything and, and get filled in on the back history of the family yes, and their a, treasure hunting. My note says, I have no idea if it's true, but I'm buying what Christopher Plummer is selling. And then I wrote, <laughs> exposition monologue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just a little side note about Christopher Plummer. He continued to act for quite some time mm-hmm. after this film. Up until Knives Out. Yeah, he did not win his first Oscar until 2012 for his performance in a movie called Beginners. And he passed away at age 91 in February of 2021. Gosh, he had a great career. Now, John Boyd appeared as Ben's father. Do you remember his name? No, what is it? Patrick Henry Gates. Stop it right (laughs) now! (laughs) Yes, it was a thing. They were trying to establish this family Mm. is all about history. No. All about treasure hunting. These two things this family cared about. That's all they care about, guys. Well, again, John Boyd. Of course, he's been in a blue million things, but what do we all know him for? Deliverance? Being Angelina Jolie's dad. Um, We also had Harvey Keitel. Uh He played FBI agent Peter Sadusky. Oh, at least he had a normal sounding name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's famous. I mean, honestly, I had seen him in so many things, I couldn't even place him. Mm -hmm. But according to the different articles, his most famous production was Pulp Fiction. Really? That's what they said. He's best known for Pulp Fiction. Sean Bean is the one who played the crime boss Ian Howe. And of course, he's the one who initially came up with the idea of stealing the Declaration of Independence. We knew he was going to be the bad guy. Of course. He had I mean, blonde hair and it wasn't washed. And we just knew it. <laughs> so funny. 
funny. And he had on the, remember, he had on the white coat and they had on two dark coats. And I was like, why are you dressed different? Mm-hmm. Sean Bean. Had to stand out. You had to we stand had to out. to watch you. Because you're a traitor. Something's happening with yep. you. Yeah. We just know it. So an interesting note about Sean Bean is that it's one of the, f- National Treasure was one of the few movies in which he, he didn't, didn't die. die. <laughs> Did you see that about him? No, I just knew that. Yes. He has been he killed dies. in film and on TV <laughs> 23 times. Aww. They said his most notable death scene was as Ned Stark in the first season of Game of Thrones. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how they used to say, you know, Sean Bean's in it. His character's going to die. I did not. I've never yeah. heard that before. You hadn't? Yes. It totally took me by surprise. Yes. But I thought it was funny. He's got a cool name, too. Sean Bean. Because mm-hmm. it's spelled it's like Sean Bean. Isn't it? S-E-A-N-B-E-A-N? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well... Some filming locations, they did film primarily in Washington, New York, Philadelphia, and Utah. Several scenes were filmed on location, but there were, of course, exceptions. I'll give you just a few. For the scene where Nicolas Cage's character is supposed to run across the roof of Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. they actually shot that at Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California, Mm. where Walter Knott had built a perfect replica of Independence Hall. And of course, yes, he built it back in the 1960s and they decided it probably wouldn't go over to try to do this on the real Independence Hall. So they got got permission from Knott's Berry Farm to do it there. Nice. And the Arctic scene was actually filmed in Utah. Okay, yeah, because that's another note I made. They're in Antarctica and he didn't have gloves on. Do you remember that moment where he was like, when he pricked his thumb and he had the perfect blood? Mm -hmm. It's like you... You would be frozen. It's Antarctica. Not believable. That's when you know you're just in for a ride. This yep. is just a, this just, is just a ride. Just enjoy it. Don't think don't think too Raise hard. Raise your arms and go woo. <laughs> yes, it's a ride. Well, one last little note: the interior of Trinity Church was actually filmed in the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Hmm. In keeping with our focus on history, I found a few interesting pieces of trivia that relate to some of the clues or some of the Ooh. happenings in the movie. Is it okay if I share those? You know my brain is nothing but trivia, so let's let's add to it. Okay. Add to my brain sauce. Here we go. Well, of course, a big plot point is that supposedly this treasure has been hidden by the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. There is actually accuracy in saying that some of these founding members, these founding fathers, might have been Freemasons. In fact, I found saw in the research... George of, Washington was, right? I believe he mm-hmm. was one of them. Of the 55 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, at least nine were Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Franklin is another one mm. who, for a fact, was a Freemason. One of Nicholas's Cage's clues, as Ben Gates, was he had to read the time on the clock that was depicted on the back of that $100 bill. It was it was on the Independence Hall. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? The part with daylight savings? Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I figured that clue out. That's the one I figured out. I was like, Ooh. daylight savings, yes. Well, apparently, the bills that were in circulation at the time of this movie really did have an illustration that pointed to that exact hour and minute. Although, a couple of the sources said that the time, according to the U.S. Bureau of Engraving and Printing, is supposed to really be 410. But another person writing an article says, no, the hand pointing to the two definitely appears to be shorter. Mm. So The shorter one. Mm -hmm. So they've kind of gone back and forth about the time. But again, the U.S. Bureau of Engraving and Printing believes that it was supposed to be 410. And people have speculated that it might be because it could be a reference to April 10th, which is the 100th day of the year. 
But in the 2009 redesign of the bill, they actually changed the time to 1030 and the Treasury Department has given no reason. Nobody knows why. Hmm. Maybe that's the ideal start day for the workday. Who knows? <laughs> 1030. Let's go to work at 1030. That's what time we start podcasting. That's our ideal start that is, time. That is so true. Yeah, 1030. It's a great time. It is a good time. Get all your morning chores done. You're ready to get down and work. It's great. Mm. I approve. Okay. Thanks for asking, guys. <laughs> That's my big now, secret. Now give us one of those $100 bills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, last little piece of trivia. Although there is obviously not a real treasure map on the back of the what? Declaration of Independence. Candy. There is something hidden there. What? Upside down, near the bottom of the document, there is this writing that reads, quote, Original Declaration of Independence, dated 4th July, 1776. And the reason it's there, it's it's kind of faint, but you Uh can make it out, is because before it was placed behind bulletproof titanium at the National Archives building, it was rolled up and carried around by the Second Continental Congress, and that was the text that they used as their label. Wow. I know. I thought that was cool. That is cool. That's one of my favorite scenes in the film is where he goes and that lady says, are you trying to steal that? And he has to buy it. He doesn't have enough money. So she's like, we take Visa. Which is funny because I actually did have that thought. I was like, oh, now there's going to be a record. There's going to be a record. Mm -hmm. That's your true crime. That's your true crime coming through. It was, it was a funny moment, but I was like, hmm, there's They're going to catch you. They're going to find your address, which is what they did. That's right. Well, the impact of the movie, as we've said, it was not a critical success. It took some heat from the reviews. In fact, I'm going to ask you to read another little excerpt from Roger Ebert's review that was written back in 2004. By the way, the title of his review was Clueless Caper, Just Fool's Gold. Roger. Okay. Roger says, Cage, one of my favorite actors, well, that's good, is ideal for this caper because he has the ability to seem uncontrollably enthusiastic about almost anything. That is really accurate. Harvey Keitel, who plays FBI agent Sandusky, falls back on his ability to seem grim about almost anything. John Voigt calls on his skill at seeming sincere at the drop of a pin. Diane Kruger has a foreign accent, even though she is a national archivist, so that our eyes can mist at the thought of her in the land of opportunity. Even a person with a foreign accent can be become the National Archivist. National Treasure is so silly that the Monty Python version could use the same screenplay line for line. So I feel like, did he like it or was he like... Oh, he was tough on it. He was saying it was, I think he used a word like ludicrous perhaps at one point. I mean, he was hard on it. Some of the reviews ripped this thing apart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with reviews coming in like that... People were also not expecting it to do well at the box office. Another factor was there was a lot of competition. There were a lot of movies out at this time. One of them that was coming out right at the same time was a SpongeBob movie. So a lot of the competition was family friendly. And they did not think that National Treasure was going to really do that well. But all the notes said that it shattered everybody's expectations in its opening weekend, it took in $35.1 million, which was enough to take it to the top of the North American box yeah. office. And what they realized was National Treasure had more immediate appeal to teenagers and adults than those other, comp- you know, those other family right, movies that right. were in competition. Right. In fact, they did their little analysis and they realized that families made up only 24% of their opening weekend audience. It's a great date movie. Yeah. The adults and the teenagers wanted to go see this Mm -hmm. right so another little bonus was that this was the biggest ever 
debut for a movie for Nicolas Cage at that time. No kidding. Yeah. Even with the the Rock and Con Air? That's what it said. Huh. So, I mean, debut, right? Oh, and sure. Over time, oh, sure, it may sure. have done better. But rather than kind of fade away after this great opening weekend, it actually started to pick up. It went on to exceed $170 million domestically and $347 million worldwide. All of this is a surprise. All of this is like, woohoo. Yeah. 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 Yes. Let's do this. Yeah. And it led Disney to decide, yeah, we'll do a sequel. I remember liking the sequel even more. That came up a lot. A lot Uh, of people said that the sequel was better, mm. which is unusual, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The sequel would turn out to be National Treasure Book of Secrets, which came out in theaters in December of 2007. And to your point, it was even more successful than the first movie. And in fact, Nicolas Cage had never done a sequel before. Mm. So what made him sign on? Well, here's something that he said, a quote from him when he was giving a little press conference in 2007 when the sequel came out. I wanted to make sure that we could go in a direction that would raise the stakes Mm -hmm. and also hopefully be more interesting. They said, we have to ratchet it up from stealing the Declaration of Independence. So we thought you should kidnap the President of the United (laughs) States. I got nervous. <laughs> then I started thinking about it. It wasn't plausible. It. <laughs> well, here's what he says. And I started laughing. And I realized that that was the joy of it. That it was funny and it was absurd. Yes. Yes. That to me, I think that that's what we keep saying. Yes. He's, they lean into it. Lean into they it. They lean into Take it. Take it serious, but know it's implausible and know that it's just absurd and weird. Just like I said, we're on the roller coaster with you. Yes. We- it's just the fun of it. Yes. Just stop being critical. Stop mm-hmm. trying to think too much. Just enjoy it. It's this. not the Da Vinci Code. It's right. national treasure. Exactly. Nick Cage is a national treasure. He I'm is. Just say that right now. Yeah. Well, some of the other impacts. Both the original movie and the 2000 sequel contributed to an uptick in attendance at the National Archives in Washington, right? D.C. Yes, mm-hmm. because one of my notes, it says what this movie, what Night at the Museum and National Treasure teaches us is learn your history, kids. Yeah. Learn your history. Yeah. They they started getting more visits to other historical mm-hmm. places as well. That's mm-hmm. one of the huge things is people enjoyed the history and learning more about the history. And of course, as we've said, it led to that sequel. It did not, however, as of yet, lead to a third I wonder why, especially since the second one was even more popular. That's been an interesting point. I saw so many articles that talked about this and Mm -hmm. people speculating about why. You'll recall when we did that one episode where Nick Cage... Um, his tax issues? Yes. Yeah. Remember, he felt that he'd been a bit abandoned. Yeah. Did not feel like really supported him. him. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was that point that we had seen at one point. Nick Cage in 2016 had a quote where he talked about basically maybe the fact that trying to come up with a a plot, a script, is a hard thing to do when you have a movie like this. Maybe Maybe that's slowing things down. Lots of different things have been discussed but as of right now we do not have a third film in the making and then of course they had this disney project that they did instead you know i wonder something else okay we may be hopping in our armchair pretty too soon but this maybe we can discuss it more in armchair but this just occurred to me is when we watched that first one there was no cell phones Mm -hmm. and there was old tech it was 2004 Mm -hmm. they used hp computers so i wonder if as technology has advanced if doing these kind of fun heisty things are going to be proven even more impossible by the advancement of technology 
technology, mm-hmm. you know, because when this was released, we also as an audience would not have had frequent, most of us wouldn't have had like really high tech cell phones at the time. Right. So right. it was more believable back then. And now it's going to be less and less believable. Right. Or to kind of flip that around in order to make your audience believe it, it becomes that much more complicated yes. for your script right, writer right, right, to right. come up with something. Right. Yeah. The only way they could get challenge. around that. And you can take this idea, National Treasure Writers, is time travel. You can have that. You all go back in time. (laughs) I'm serious. Nick Cage going back in time, and he's really at the time of the Founding Fathers. Okay, that's kind of fun. Right? That's kind of fun. I love it. Even if you could just, maybe you could just have like flashbacks, and Nicolas Cage could play one of his his ancestors, and he could like be in those. That could be fun, too. There you go. We're doing all the work for you guys. Come on. Come on. We're laying it down. Pick it up. We'll take 1%. (laughs) We'll take 1% of the gross, like they do at the end of the National Treasure. You we know, could have had 10%, but we'll settle for one. Armchair psychologist. You said maybe we're armchairing too early, but honestly, I was getting ready to move oh, into great. the armchair. Right. And I like your question. We can talk more about that. Okay. I was simply going to ask you, with everybody talking about how ridiculous this is, they use words like ludicrous mm-hmm. and comparing it to Monty Python and Nicolas Cage himself uses the word absurd. Why do we want the third movie so badly? Why? I mean, I'm telling you, there were so many articles where people were asking, where is this mm-hmm. movie? Why hasn't it come out yet? We want Nick Cage in it. Because we need fun. We still Mm -hmm. need fun. Everything that we've been through in in our world, in our life, we need those things that take us out of it and that we can just settle in and know that we're in good hands with Mr. Cage and just have fun Mm -hmm. and just be along for the journey. You know, Mm -hmm. I keep using that that analogy of we're on the roller coaster. And when you get on a roller coaster, you don't expect anything significant. You just know you're going to go up and down. Things are going to go well. You're going to go around some curves. But at the end of it, you're just going to be like, well, that was a great ride, you know? And I agree with you. I'm going to be honest. I really like a tightly woven plot. Like, could yes. the, if these script writers could come up with a third script, a third movie script that is really plausible yeah. and has, like, I like in, in a clever, yes, intelligent, clever mm-hmm. well thought out script. If y'all can do that, please come up mm-hmm. with a really wonderful script. I We've love, done half the work yeah. already. Time travel, <laughs> yeah. Nicolas Cage playing one of his ancestors, get somebody else in there. What what, a, what other founding, George, George Washington Gates, where's he at? Like <laughs> We need him. We need him. Yeah, but back to my point, I think what sells this, both of these, I haven't, you know, we didn't watch the sequel. We're, we're focusing in on the first movie, obviously, but I think yes. what sells this franchise is the fact that Nicolas Cage is amazing in this. Mm-hmm. We we love him. We love the humor. We love the we love the sidekick. Riley. Justin Bartha is yes. a wonderful sidekick. The he humor is. of this movie yes. is incredibly important. Yeah. And I think we are caught up in the history. Mm-hmm. Like every single American goes through eighth grade, you know, US history class and you do something in, in high school. And I mean like they're and they're pulling out all of these names and people and events that we mm-hmm. can all relate to. Mm-hmm. And it makes it that much more intriguing, especially when then you layer in secrets and yes. conspiracies. Who doesn't like that and, stuff? Right. And then you layer in the adventure elements and these ideas of doing the impossible thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's got everything we like. Right. It's got everything we like in a fun action adventure movie. Right. Yeah. There's no losing. Exactly. So it sounds like we're both voting 
for National Treasure 3. Yeah. You all get on Book that. of More Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> With George Washington Gates. George Washington Gates. And maybe they also hop around in time, a la Quantum Leap, and they try to stop the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Oh. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. And I'm just sitting in a room and I'm giving these ideas out <laughs> to the ether. Come on now. I know you guys can come up with something. Well, on that note... How about we end our July 4th episode Mm -hmm. with a huge shout out to Nicolas Cage, John Turtletaub, Jerry Bruckheimer, all the people, Justin Bartha, Diane Diane Kruger, Kruger, Mm -hmm. everyone involved with this franchise, with this project. Cheers to you guys. You're all a national treasure. Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandal Water community through our Scandal Water Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandal Water Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening. The first annual commemoration of Independence Day happened on July 4th, no, seven, 1905. The- <laughs> they just waited a real long time. <laughs>